shall we gather at the river where bright angel feet have trod with its crystal tide forever flowing by the throne of God yes we'll gather at the river the beautiful the beautiful river gather with the saints at the river flows by the throne of God on the margin of the river washing up its silver spray we will walk and worship ever all the happy golden days yes yesterday all right we have been looking at and studying on the Ten Commandments here recently we haven't yet gotten started on the first commandment we've still been talking about uh, the importance of God's moral law and we have uh, divided and separated uh, some things of course, the Ten Commandments are found in Exodus 20, beginning in verse 2, or Deuteronomy 5, beginning in verse 6. Do we need the law of God? Absolutely. We are designed by God to follow His law. Mankind, in an attempt to be their own God, and uh, I am going over uh, some of what we've already studied right quickly yes an attempt to be their own god man has made up their own laws and their own rules and all of us each of us can look around us in the nation that we live in the world the nation the state the county the city the street that we live on and we can see that not following god's law has been and is catastrophic Mankind makes up their own laws because they think they're smarter than God. 
And it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? It absolutely does. That nature has been passed down to each of us. We looked at Colossians 2.14 and we talked about did the Lord Jesus nail the Ten Commandments to the, to the cross? No. What He nailed to the cross was the ordinances that were by His direction. Now, they were right. They were the right thing to do by God's law and God's direction in the Old Testament. But He did away with those things that pointed to Him. All of that bloodshed in the Old Testament, none of it paid for a sin. But all of it done rightly in God's manner as He prescribed for His people to do pointed to that perfect blood that I alluded to earlier when I said the Lord came and lived a perfect life that meant His body was perfect. He didn't sin. He had no sin. That blood is what all the other blood pointed to. That was in the past. All of the... Uh, he came to fulfill all the prophecies of Him, all the things that pointed to Him. He came to fulfill them. And in that uh, mindset, He nailed them to the cross. But not the Ten Commandments, because those are God's moral law. Jesus taught them. Jesus took them a step further, didn't He? He did. He took them a step further into the heart of man. Yes, it's wrong to murder your brother. But if you say rake it to your brother or you have hatred for your brother in your heart, you've already murdered him in your heart. So you see the Lord pointed to the fallen nature that we have within us. It's inside us. We were born with it. So something changed when the Lord Jesus died on the cross. Yes, He nailed those ordinances to the cross because they were no longer necessary. You remember when He died that the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. That's significant. It was ripped or rent from top to bottom. That means that God ripped it because He was eliminating and doing away with a separation that we had from Him. You see, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies where the veil separated him and everyone else. Only he was allowed to meet with God for the people. But you see, the Lord changed that when He died on the cross, didn't He? He did because what He did was He gained access for us to Him. What a Savior. Oh, when He gave His life as a ransom, a lot of things changed. Praise God. He is now our high priest. We don't need a human priest or a human high priest. We only need Him. We only need Him. He paid the price. Matthew 20, 28 says, once and for all, He paid the price. His moral laws are embodied in the Ten Commandments. Yes, we need them. These Ten Commandments represent His moral character. And if you know Him, you know He never changes. So it's the same 
It's the same from Exodus and Deuteronomy today. His law hasn't changed. And let me go a little further. Mankind has no right or authority to change any of them. We have no right to say, okay, it's okay to murder somebody as long as they haven't been born yet. We have no right to do that, to make that law. It's God's law. It's always the same, and it's always perfect. The psalmist says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. Where? In heaven. Well, Larry and I have heard somebody say one time that we wouldn't need the word of God when we get to heaven. It's forever settled. It's perfect. There's no reason for it to be done away with or changed. The law is perfect. Yes, we need the law. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The words of my mouth. What pleases God it comes out of our mouth. It's His Word. His words are perfect. I'll never forget the first time in my life I stood up to preach. I was scared to death. It was a long time ago. I was so afraid that I was going to say something wrong. If Daddy was here, he could tell you because him and John Suarez both commented on it. But I got up there and I read the Bible. No commentary. <laughs> I read four or five chapters in the Bible and I said, May God bless the reading of His Word. And I got down. They were all like, Okay. But I knew I couldn't go wrong. But I knew there was potential if I started interjecting myself into God's Word. But His Word's perfect and I knew that. I haven't thought about that in a long time. I want to read you something here. This is actually something from uh, A.W. Pink. And this, let me see where I'm at. This is talking about the first commandment. All right? In pointing out the duties required by this commandment, we cannot do better than to quote the Westminster Confession of Faith. This is going way back now to the Westminster Confession of Faith. But this is what it says. And there's a lot of Scripture references here that I won't uh, go through all of them. But in pointing out the duties required by this commandment, the first commandment, we cannot do better than to quote the Westminster Confession of Faith. They are the knowing and acknowledging of God. Not only do we know it, but we acknowledge it. To be the only true God and our God and to worship and glorify Him accordingly by thinking, meditating, remembering, highly esteeming, honoring, adoring, choosing, loving, desiring, fearing of Him, believing Him, trusting, hoping, delighting, and rejoicing in Him, being zealous for Him, calling upon Him, giving all praise and thanks, and yielding all obedience and submission to Him with the whole person. That's putting Him before everything else, isn't it? 
to love your God with all your heart, all your mind. To put nothing else before Him. We're going to look at that. Being careful in all things to please Him and sorrowful when anything, when in anything He's offended and walking humbly, something that our poor fathers wrote and they were right on the money with it. How do we put Him first? All right. So let's go to... Let's see, which one? Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy 5, 6. And I am the Lord thy God. First thing the Lord does is He identifies Himself. This is not some man's idea of what's right and wrong. This is me. Him. The great I am. The same one who brought them out of Egypt. He was in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud that lit their way and protected them. It's Him. He is the one that was at the burning bush. He gave instruction to Moses there. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. The great I am. This is Him. Oh, when Joshua was standing there and looking at those great walls of Jericho, who was it that he saw there? It was the great I Am. It was the captain of the Lord's army, wasn't it? And he fell down and worshipped him. And the captain of the Lord's host, the Lord's army, didn't say, get up, I'm just one like you. No, because it was him. It was the great I Am. And this is he here. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now I want to point out this morning that he's talking to you and me too. You're like, well, I've never been in Egypt. Yes, you have. In a likeness. We were in bondage from birth. To what? To sin. Again, we inherited this fallen nature from Adam. Well, Jesus was a man. He didn't have it. No, he didn't. Because there was no man involved in his birth. I'm not sure. I think it's the Y chromosome that only men have. It's passed down. There was no man involved in his birth. There was no sinful nature within him. He has brought us from the house of bondage. He is the Lord our God who has brought us out from the land of Egypt. Or the lost condition of our souls that we were in. He brought us out. He's the one telling us how to live. He's the one telling us what to put first in our thinking and in our uh, meditation, in our direction in life, in the way that we think about ourselves and Him and others. He gives us directions. Oh, how we should reverence this Word because it's from Him. He that created all things and that out of nothing. We can't get a grasp on how great and marvelous He is because of these little finite minds that we have. 
I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, we should give no one or anything in heaven or in earth the inward heart affection that's love and it's a special kind of love isn't it it is it's an agape love that God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit shared and when the Lord put his spirit within you when he quickened you and saved you and showed you that it was you he hung on the cross for He put the Holy Spirit within you. Now you have this affinity for Him, this love for Him, this heart affection, as I called it. We aren't to put anything above or in front of Him. Ever. Do we? Absolutely. We do, don't we? We do. We're guilty of that. Praise God, His grace covers even our failures a dependence on him we should not give dependence for our life on any other person any other thing any other action we can only depend on him who else pleased the father Anybody else that pleased the Father did it through Him. And God sees them, saw them, sees us through that perfect blood that was splattered on that cross and on the ground. What a Savior. How could we put anything in front of Him? Almost 31 years ago, one of the things that attracted me to my wife there well, she said, I do love you, but I love God more. No. I think I told her the same thing. He's got to be first. He's got to be number one. And if you know Him, He will be. And you will continually strive for just that. Let go of these other things that are keeping you from your thoughts of Him, from your contemplation of Him, from your meditation of His Word. I wrote this up here a good while back, but it stands. We want to draw closer to Him? Seek Him. Seek Him and you will see change, and that change for the positive. By this commandment, thou shalt have none other gods before me. Of course, we'll point out that this is little g gods. Because the fact is, they exist in our mind. There are no gods but Him. He is the only true and living God. The rest of them are made up. Some are idols made up of uh, physical things to look like something else, and people worship them. That's what happens to the mind when God's law is absent. In our courtrooms, there's still the Florida State Seal. I just spent a week in one of them. 
And at the bottom it says, In God we trust. A lot of that's changing. The new rules and laws, you know, they can't offend anybody, so you've got to make up laws so everybody's happy. It's taking the Ten Commandments out of our schools. It's taking the Ten Commandments out of our courthouses. It's taking our, the Ten Commandments out of men's minds and hearts. Man's ways will pass away. But God's ways are eternal and forever right. By this commandment, there are things, there are sins that are forbidden. One is willful ignorance of God and His will. By despising the means by which we may acquaint ourselves with Him. Willful ignorance of God and His will. This is a sin against Him. Not against anybody else, it's against Him. When we are willfully ignorant of His will, and we despise the means by which we may acquaint ourselves with Him. How do we acquaint ourselves with Him? How do we seek Him? In His Word. Prayerful study in His Word. It doesn't fail. He doesn't fail. That's how we seek Him, by trusting in His Word. We realize that it is the authentic, Spirit-breathed, God-breathed Word of God, and we trust in it. We stand on it. We don't let anything knock us off of it. But when we do, we're sinning against Him. Then there's denial of God. The denial of God. There is no God. Atheism. Even the sun, the moon, and the stars tells us that there is a wonderful and great Creator. All of His creations, they're not to be worshipped. They're not to be, even the enjoyment of them are not to be put in front of Him. No, they all point to Him. They all point to Him. Yes, I love a beautiful sunrise on a lake. I love it. Or the bay. It's a beautiful thing. But it makes me think of the Creator that brought the sun up again, who's in control of all things. And there's idolatry. Setting up false and fictitious gods. And there's disobedience. We're all guilty of disobedience. None of us have kept this law. So you see, we must cry out to the lawmaker, mustn't we? Dwell on and depend on, trust in He who kept the law. He who lived that perfect life and then voluntarily gave it up for us. Disobedience, self-will, open defiance of God. All of these go against thou shalt have none other gods before me. And then there's the one that's common to all of us. Setting the affections of our hearts and our minds on other things. That one gets us, doesn't it? It does me. The wonders of the world. 
the things that I enjoy in life that don't bring glory to Him, that aren't in the process of following Him. The things, I don't know why I always go to the left, but the things over here of the world. But you see, He saved us and He drew us away from those things into His marvelous grace. Unmerited favor. He loved us anyway. He knew our entire lives, every day of it. He knew what we were going to do. He knew what we were going to put in front of Him. He knew what we were going to do when we should have been doing something for Him. We easily set our affections and our hearts on other things, don't we? But our lives must be devoted to Him, to our God, before and above all else. He said in verse 7, Thou shalt have no other gods before me or in my face or ahead of me or in front of me. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want us giving our attention to another. You see, we are His. We are a spouse to Him. He bought us. Oh, the desire in our heart would be to put Him first in everything. When we wake up in the morning, first thing on our mind should be Him. Him. He let us wake up again. Why? Because He had something else for us to do. So no matter what the enemy throws at us, and he has access to a lot of uh, trips and hazards, doesn't he? He obviously does. We keep on keeping on with our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the key. That's the key. This faith that he gave you when he quickened your heart and saved you, it's eternal. It's eternal. He's got you right there in his hand. And He's not going to let go. What a Savior. So the Scripture (coughs) that I had Isaiah read is John 8. And the last one was 37. And the Lord told him this. And He exposes a very important fact about these who didn't believe in Him. I want us to look at it again. John chapter 8 and verse 37. The Lord said, You seek to kill me. And then He said, Why? He said, Because my word has no place in you. Is the word of God important? Absolutely. What does the natural man do with the Word of God? He wants to kill it, doesn't he? He wants to put it away. Why? Because it offends him. It exposes him that he's a sinner and that God, the Creator of all things, does not approve of him. Does the Word of God have a place in you today? Believe in him. Salvation is only 
through Jesus Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. Men want to put God's Word out of their minds, out of their hearts, out of their schools, out of their courthouses, out of their publications, off of television, of course. Why? Because it has no place in them. It had no place in you until God put that love and that faith in your heart when He saved you. The Bible said He quickened us who were in our trespasses and dead in our trespasses and sins. That word quickened literally means make alive. That's right. We were dead. Oh, if you don't trust in Him for your salvation this morning, let me declare to you that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. We may not be here tomorrow. But we have right now, don't we? Trust in Him. Realize there is none other who is stable in the truth of God. Who kept it. Lived 33 and a half years and never broke any of these commandments. Yet, He didn't make Himself proud or become a king on earth like they wanted to do. Mainly because He could make food multiply. They liked that. No, He humbled Himself and He constantly said, What I hear from My Father, I tell you. He constantly pointed to God the Father for the glory, didn't He? Oh, yet he deserved it also. But he humbled himself, came to this earth as an infant, a newborn. That's as humble as you can get, isn't it? That's as dependent on, a, on another as you can get. Yet he was God. Yet he was a man. Praise God. He pleased God the Father. All that blood in the Old Testament pointed to Him. We now have direct access to Him. Even the blood at the Passover, when they painted the blood with hyssop of that perfect little animal, that innocent little animal, had no spot or blemish. It pointed to Jesus Christ who had no spot, no blemish. When the wrath of God passed, through that city to take the firstborn. It passed over those that were under the blood. Let me tell you, there's consequences for sin coming. God is going to purge this earth. Sin must be paid for. And praise God for those who love Him that are the cause, according to His purpose, their sins are paid for. All good things work for their good, and that's a promise. What a Savior. May God bless the reading of His Word this day.